This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I have a fellow unretireable on the line. Brian Falchuk, how are you, brother? I'm doing really well. It's so good to be back with you, Michael. Likewise, likewise. Uh, and I'll explain to the audience later what unretireables are. It's a, basically a, a mini supergroup, um, kind of like, you know, when those rock bands kind of form and it's these <laughs> superstars from individual bands and we all come together. We do this one big collaboration that just blows the doors off everybody. And then, and then it just kind of, you know, we go on our back to our, our normal scheduled lives and, but it's always solo there. albums. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So great to connect with you again. Uh, yeah. You are a multiple TEDx speaker, um, yes. author. Um, you've worked in insurance. You've done a lot of things. So give the audience just a quick, you know, background on that. And we're going to jump right into your new book that's coming out really soon. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, touching on, on what you hit on, I'm a, I'm a dad and a husband as well. Um, but I have been in insurance for about 20 years and more recently I've, uh, I joined a tech startup and I've been an advisor to others along the way. So I've got like the business side, but then, um, I had a really long arduous struggle with anxiety from stuff I went through as a little kid when my parents were getting divorced, I became really obese in there. Um, that just left me with a lot, a lot to deal with, a lot to process, even after I lost weight and I slowly put it back on and, um, I had this moment in 2011 when uh, my wife was on what we thought was her deathbed that was a catalyst for me. Um, she's still here today and uh, we're both extremely different people and, and kind of needed that wake up call, I think. Um, but yeah, since then, a whole lot of other things beyond just like dad and husband and um, insurance executive have been added, including author and speaker. And um, yeah, that's how we, we ended up getting hooked up is, is through this other side of my life that was all catalyzed back in 2011. Yeah, and I had my, you know, my own similar story with um, health scare yeah. know, ten, 10 years ago, and it changes you, yeah. if, you if you choose to. And right. that's the thing, the two of you did. And yeah. you know, that, that speaks volumes on, on the both of you and, and your relationship to both change. Because oftentimes in these situations where it's one individual, it's going through a health challenge or another type of challenge. Yeah. And they make that choice to dramatically change their life. Oftentimes the other components of their lives, whether it be family members, friends, workers, whatever the case may be, they don't come along for that new journey. And, yeah. and sometimes it can be pretty, pretty traumatic um, yeah. adjustment for, for people like that. So yeah. I know that that's a beautiful segue into 50, 75, 100 solution. Yeah. Um, building better relationships, your brand new book. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to you know, really jump into that because when you're going through all the life changes like you've had and, you know, with do a day and everything else, um, there's that component of relationships that are, you know, the foundation of your life. And when you're changing habits and things like that, there's that relationship component too. So, yeah. you know, what motivated you uh, to write this book? I mean, I always ask that of people that you know, write books and then yeah. of course those of us that are crazy enough to say, Hey, let's write, <laughs> let's write some more. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, I think you get this. I really didn't have a choice and it was the same thing with do a day is uh, there comes a point where, 
something is going on in your life. You've learned something, you've had some breakthrough and it has to come out. And, uh, you know, for those of us who are focused on trying to help inspire others to change their lives, there's even more of that draw. And that's, that's where I was at, um, going through relationship struggles and listen, we all do. I'm not unique. And I don't just mean, uh, romantic relationships. We have relationships everywhere. So, you know, work stuff, family stuff, uh, whether it's with your significant other or siblings, kids, parents, cousins, step-siblings, you know, whatever that might be, or just a stranger down the street that you're never going to see again, you still have an interaction. That's still a relationship. And what I realized is in do a day is very much my relationship to myself and anyone who's reading it, their relationship to themselves. Well, what about everybody else? So if we've, we've worked on the relationship with yourself, which you have to start with, because if you don't, you're, it's, it's hard to fix anything else if you keep coming back to this, this broken view of yourself and relationship to yourself. Now we can work on the outside. And that's where the 50-75-100 solution came in is I, uh, you know, I was commuting to Atlanta every week for work and, um, and my wife and I were having a tough time. And in some ways, I think those, those weekly trips where I was out of the house probably were helpful to us because it, it broke the situation we were in. But it also made it really hard to make progress because we just were never around each other. And when we were, like, I was completely exhausted and um, we were just kind of growing apart. And I was having a situation at work where one of my coworkers, and I talked about this in the TED Talk specifically, um, I thought it was better to use that example than a fight my wife and I were having. Um, I, I probably wouldn't have needed her sign off <laughs> to do that on stage. Um, but I had a coworker who was trying to get me fired. And the reason was actually she had done some pretty bad things and was covering them up. And unknowingly, I was stumbling into exposing them. Uh, a few of us were. And so she kind of went on the attack across the board on anyone who she perceived as a threat to her employment. Now, a better answer might have been to try to work with us to fix the problem, you know, come clean, own it, work through it together, because we could have done that. But she was so confident that she could fix it on her own. And actually she's the only one who could fix it and everyone else is too incompetent to do that. She better just get rid of us so that, you know, she can go and fix things before anyone knows that she screwed up. Um, not a great approach, but that's the approach she chose. So I had that going on in one hand and my wife and I were in a pretty tough spot in the other. Um, and I don't know if we were headed to divorce or not, you know, that there's, there's a lot of things that would need to happen to get there, but um, it certainly was not what I wanted. You know, it was a lot of not seeing eye to eye, a lot of um, presuming bad intentions on each other's part. So you know, one of us would do something for the other or nothing to do with the other, we'd do something. And the other one would take it as a slight, an attack, um, you know, passive aggressive statement on what we thought of each other. It just, just wasn't loving, you know, it wasn't, and it wasn't what it used to be and it wasn't what it should be. And um Talking about it the way we had been talking about it was not just going nowhere, it was going somewhere, but that somewhere is in the wrong direction. Um, I had started seeing a therapist about this. To now My intention in seeing the therapist was to just learn some coping mechanisms to deal with my wife's wrongness, which I think um, if, if we're not ready to admit it, that's probably where most of us are at is like, they're the ones who are the problem. They're doing this to me. And I mean, that's what my wife was saying is it's, it's all me. Um, and of course, I'm like, well, of course, if you think that because it's all you, you don't even realize how wrong you are. Uh, <laughs> and that's not a helpful dynamic. So I'm like, well, I don't need to change. I just need her to, you know, I'm, I'm, I wrote this book, like I'm enlightened. I, I, I'm in touch with my feelings. I know what's up. 
um, I just need to learn to deal with her attacks better so I don't lash out in response. And that, that's true, but that's not the only truth in it. And so unknowingly, um, this therapist started to guide me to, luckily she, she saw through that BS, um, and started to guide me towards some meaningful solutions. And they stemmed in changing my perspective on things. And it, it, it was around introducing me to some Buddhist concepts and she recommended a few books. And as I started to look into it, three concepts really stood out to me. And like I read about them and I felt myself kind of, I don't know, like I felt an energy in myself that I hadn't felt before. I felt an understanding and um, like a patience and love for whoever was coming at me. In a way, I, I almost like, I would have thought feeling that before because I, to me, it's like, it's, a, it's about right and wrong. And if they're wrong, it's not okay for me to feel that it's acceptable for them to be wrong. And so now I'm kind of justifying or at least understanding why they're doing what they're doing. Maybe instead of seeing it as right and wrong, it's like, well, it may not be what I want or it may be bad for me or feel that way. But the reason why they're doing what they're doing is not about me. Even if they're making it about me, underlying all that, there's something else driving it. And I started to be able to see that. And the three concepts, the first one is, is really about appreciating that. It's called happiness seeking. And it's this really simple notion that ultimately each of us just seeks happiness. We don't seek something negative for someone else. What we would seek in that situation is the way it makes us feel. We're seeking to be happier. And some of us are really clear on what that looks like. And some of us aren't. And some of us, you know, it's, it's all happening subconsciously. So, I, you know, I, um, I talk in the book about someone who's like uh, abusive. And it's like, well, if they're hitting me, what does that have to do with happiness? Their happiness is for me to be in pain. It's not. They're just not in touch with what it is. They're hurting inside. They're insecure. Maybe they were abused. They have this pain in them that they want to stop. And I, I would reckon that they don't fully understand all that. And so when they lash out, there's a, a dopamine hit or something that gives them a moment of power, maybe a moment of happiness, a moment of some chemical response in their body that lifts them. And they're equating that to happiness because they feel better in some way just for a moment. And so they want that hit. And unfortunately, that comes at your expense. And look, that's actually what was going on for me growing up with my obesity. It was an emotional hole that I was trying to fill with food. And the food never worked, but in the moment it did. It worked really well in a moment. And so I kept going back to it. And the reality is that wasn't actually making me better. It wasn't solving my emotional issues. It was just adding to them by adding in now this you know, insecurity and people judging me and making fun of me. And so that obviously made me sad. Um, but I thought in that moment, giving into that urge made me feel better. So I kept doing it. When you can flip your perception of what you're experiencing from someone into not being an attack or being malicious or intentional just for the sake of hurting you and understand that maybe wrong place, wrong time, or you may be perceived to be standing in the way of what they're trying to achieve, then you're able to respond a bit differently. And that was the big wake up for me. 
is like, look, if someone is accusing me of something that like my intentions are bad when I'm actually trying to be helpful, that would really hurt. And I would lash out back to them. I would try to explain to them why they're wrong and explain to them what my actual feelings are. And that only made it worse. Instead, what I needed to see is, well, why are they taking it that way? And it's like, well, because me doing like with my wife, um, you know, she had a lot of repercussions from her illness that meant I did a lot of stuff around the house. And she was always really mean to me about it. And I just couldn't get it. I'm like, I'm like busting my butt for you after working full time and now like waking up at 2 a.m. to fly to Atlanta and getting home at like midnight on Friday. And then I'm like cooking and cleaning and doing laundry and grocery shopping all weekend long. So your week is easier. And you're mad at me for it. I don't understand. I'm just trying to make your life easier. And to her, it's like, A, it's a reminder of what she's lost through her illness. It's a reminder of feeling when she was a child, like she wasn't allowed to do things or trusted to do things or made to feel incompetent or lazy by her parents or her brother or whatever, you know, judgments were levied on her. It was bringing all that back. And that's what she was responding to. It had nothing to do with what I was or wasn't doing. Maybe the way I was doing it was adding to it. But those are things going on in her around her happiness that are manifesting in treatment of me. And when I could see it that way, it felt less mean. I felt less judged and attacked. And as a result, I didn't lash out back at her. And so that was this big unlock for me. And the more I, I didn't lash out, the more I tried to have compassion and respond from that place, I gave her a different version of me to interact with. And the, the second principle is interdependence. It's this notion that none of us is a certain way in and of ourselves. We are that way in relation to other people in other situations. You know, it's why like bullies still have friends or like one person finds you attractive, the other one won't return your calls. Uh, you know, we're, we're different with different people and the same people can be different with the same people different situation, different times. That's why like we fight with people we love and then we love them dearly in the next moment. So I gave her a different version of me to interact with, which over time, over a few weeks, started to lead her to react differently to me. And so we started to move things in a different place. That's, that's where the, the action starts to come into the approach. And it it just completely opened my eyes. And so I wanted to write about it. I was coaching people. So I shared these ideas with them. It was helping them. I was writing for Inc. Magazine at the time. I, I have to write like 800 to 1,000 words for an article. And I'm writing away and it's like 3,000 words and I'm nowhere near, like nowhere near getting it out. And I'm like, oh God, how am I going to cut this down when I'm not even done? Like it's already three times longer than the longest it could be. And I'm maybe a quarter of the way through like a bare bones version of it. So I was like, this is not an article. There's more to it. And I debated doing blog posts on it, but that felt too disjointed. So I'm like, this is my next book. Um, so really, really roundabout long way of answering your question, but that's how I, I arrived at writing the second book and what it's about. No, that's an amazing journey because one of the premises that I, you know, obviously learned much later in life, wish I would have learned it much earlier as with many things, was you know, to seek to understand, you mm. know, why people are approaching you the way that they are. You know, yeah. and it could be, it could be anything. You know, regarding an argument, it could be political discussions. It could be, yeah. you know, you know, why they like this team versus this team. 
you know, and it's like, well, you know, the, at, at this moment, the Patriots are still undefeated. Okay. You know, it's, I don't know why anybody hates a team that does well, but you know, they do, they exist, you know? So uh, usually in, usually in New York, usually in New York, I, I tend to find um, people that don't like the Pats. Michael, I'm just not getting into this at all with you. I know. <laughs> like I, I come from the land of the Patriots and the Red Sox. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing it. So yeah, oh, I know. Well, Keep going know. though. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> but it, but again, it's, it's one of those things where oftentimes the interactions that we face every day are in the moment and we naturally have this, you know, the amygdala starts yelling at us going, mm. okay, here's what's going on. And we want to react and, how we react can set the tone for the next couple minutes, couple days, couple months, couple years, yeah. the rest of our life and off of just a, a reaction of something. And you know, I, I love the fact that you, you were able to discover uh, these, these truths and principles because you know, when you're talking about this, I'm thinking, you know, just in you know, interactions that I had with a couple people the other day um, that were going through something and, and I was, I made sure to ground myself and say, okay, I'm not going to be judgmental or confrontational in this particular situation. I'm going to listen to them and I'm going to listen to them with the seeking to understand, you know, what's the behind the scenes here. Yeah. You know, it's like, what, what got them to this point? It, I don't think it was just an instant. This happened. You know, you walk, you walked by and a screen falls on you or something, you know, it's like, okay, that's something that happened instant, but what caused yeah. it? Well, the screen wasn't fastened correctly. But they see it as, you know, the screen attacked me. And, and as a silly example, but that's oftentimes what happens is there's other things that they're bringing to the table. Yeah. And it's not the screen. It's, it's you know, the, the situation they've been dealing with for the last six months or they have a loved one that's ill or, you know, they're, you know they had a parent passed away and they didn't have a good relationship with them. And now they yeah. don't have that opportunity to try to reconcile. And there's all these things that people bring along on a day-to-day basis and sometimes you catch people at that quote-unquote right time and boy they unload you and you go hmm it's like wow they they i must have done something to them i don't know what it is and that's when you start second guessing yourself and anxiety and everything else can lead up to if you if you don't have that that self-awareness inside to say no this this isn't about me um, it's, there's something going on here, but I, and then you, you, of course you, you want to check yourself and you say, okay, am I presenting in a way that is offending this person or bringing these types of emotional reactions out? What, mm-hmm. and just, you know, getting more clear with yourself. And I think that's an area where all of us have some work to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's really well said. You know, it's just, as a, as I'm hearing these stories, it's like, our ability to cleanly switch between con- different contexts um, is much less, uh, we're, we're much worse at that than we seem to think we are. You know, when you walk in the door back home from a, a tough day at work, work does not stay outside that door. And when you walk into work after, you know, fighting with your significant other or your parents or your kids or whatever, it's not like that, that isn't existing in you. So we all have things going on and and that includes our entire past. You know, we are a function of everything that we've experienced before. And for some of us, it's a lot stronger than it is for others Um, or it's stronger in different moments. And so that's where, you know, I think having that awareness, seeking to understand some of that and um, 
maybe having a bit of compassion for that context is, is really valuable. Um, you know, it's the, the last of the three concepts is impermanence. And that was one that some people didn't really understand why that matters. And actually, this is exactly why it matters is nothing's, nothing stays the same forever. So, you know, you're interacting with someone who's mean to you or difficult with you. Um, maybe you only see it as one-sided, probably isn't, but, um, you know, you, you see it as futile or you're in a situation that seems like there's no hope. Everything changes. That to me gives us hope. So it's like the happiness seeking is the, uh, the mindset, the exploration, the, the tools to actually start to get to a different place. Imper uh, interdependence is the mechanism where that, that different mindset starts to affect the other person. And then the impermanence is the hope that those first two are worth doing, that you're actually going to get a change in the outcome because everything changes. You just have to change the inputs. Um, that, when that all came together for me, I was just like, I feel so much clearer on how I can progress these tougher situations. And um, luckily, if you want to call it that, I got to test it really, really quickly. Like I wasn't even done with the first book that this therapist had recommended. And I was like, you know, I, I think I get it. Obviously, I need way more time to understand it. But I, on the surface, like at least I understand what this is about. I'm just going to do it. And I did it. Uh, it was the same week, unfortunately. It was, it was a pretty rough week for me. Um, I had to put this stuff in action and things started to move really quickly with my wife. Uh, it was about two weeks of consistent, different approach that's really turned the tide in what had been a very stuck dynamic. And with my coworker, um, that Monday, you know, this is like over the weekend, my wife and I had this really tough time and it was Sunday night is when I applied it with her. And then Monday I walk in and um, I had the meeting, <laughs> you know, the meeting where the coworker was going to try to get me fired. She called the CEO in and um, she had her whole lineup of all the points she was going to make to rip me apart and show how incompetent I was. Um, I was like to point out all of these facts she had were actually not real. She just made up the data on it. Um, that was part of what we discovered is that she was hiding things. And so she had all these fake data points. Um, you know, the old me would have like, I had data that looked very different. And so I could have just been like, nope, your first point's wrong. Here's what it actually is. And let me open up the system and show you exactly where it is that way. So that like, it's not opinion anymore. I will show you precisely where these numbers come from. And we can all agree to them. And I had the CFO there with me and he agreed. It was like, I would have normally done that, you know, and I would have refuted every single point. And then we would have just been back and forth fighting. And she's a former litigator. She's really good at it. And she is so unbelievably smart. Like I would have no chance of winning, even if all the facts were on my side, because she's just way too talented at it. And I'm sure she was prepared for exactly that response. But instead, I recognized it's not about whether I get fired or not. There's something else going on for her and I must be standing in the way. And I didn't know what any of that was, but so she levied her attack. And my response was actually, I thanked her for it, which was kind of weird. She definitely was not expecting that. And it took her aback. And then I just said, you know, I don't agree with a lot of this data. I, I have data that says a different story, but that's not what matters. I want to understand better what it is you're most concerned about. And then I kicked it to her to answer. So what I did was I basically opened the door for her to define what happiness she was seeking. 
And when she stated it, the whole room was like, well, that makes sense. You know, she's trying to protect the business from a bad outcome. And who's going to argue with that? You know, that's what we're all supposed to be here for is protect from the bad and go after the good. And so I was like, well, I totally agree with that. Here are some things I think I can do to help. What do you think? And so what I, what I was doing is trying to move from a blocker of that happiness to a supporter of it, someone to help her achieve it. And it was pretty hard for her then to attack me because we're on the same side again. And so that went from, this is the meeting where I'm going to get Brian fired to, okay, now we can work together for a better outcome. Um, which is, you know, I have to say, like, I was nervous going in. I'm like, how much am I going to be able to, to, you know, fight back the urge to fight? Um, how much am I going to be like gritting my teeth together? And so my body language is going to tell that I'm holding back versus like genuinely being calm. And I just really kept front and center in my mind. I mean, going back to what you were saying a moment ago, what, what is she really most interested in? I, it's not about me. So trying to put myself in her shoes and think about what happiness is she seeking? And it just helped me feel so much less attacked, even when she was literally attacking me. And so like I wear a heart rate monitor in my watch and I went back and looked later to be like, you know, I think I did a pretty good job, but how much was me like holding it in, faking it versus real. And my heart rate's in a pretty good place generally. Like my resting heart rate's good because I, I work out a lot and I make my cardiac health important. Um, so it was like in this high 60s, I think at its highest, which is lower than a lot of people's resting heart rates. So I was like, okay, I mean, that's, that's a little more elevated for me, but it's not. Like walking up a flight of stairs, I'd be there or above. So I'm like, okay, the fact that my heart rate wasn't shooting up tells me like this is more than just how to fake it till you make it. This is actually affecting me internally in a good way. And that, that was this real turning point for me is like this thing has teeth and I got to share it. They're really nice teeth though. They're not sharp. There you go. Yeah. No, it's amazing. And, you know, the fact, and you know, the heart rate monitor is the telltale sign. You know, you yeah. can act, you can act calm. You can have the facial expression. Your, you know, your pupils may be the normal size and all that stuff. But internally, you could be stewing and your heart rate monitor told you, nope, that's not what happened. You were, yeah. you had actually, boy, the, the timing of you reading that book and the timing of that meeting. So um, fortuitous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. And, and that's, no, I, I'm really, really looking forward to the impact that this book is going to create because again, it, you know, just understanding the world as we see it and, you know, the various news stories and, you know, of course I'm in Toronto and I see a lot of things going on here uh, and, if, if people could just connect in a way with, you know, the lessons that you're going to share in this book, um, yeah. it's going to take things down so many levels of anxiety and anxiousness and anger. Yeah. Well, you know, and like I said, I've been to Toronto since 2010 mm -hmm. and, and I work downtown and, and I, I've noticed more and more because my office is relatively close to the street and Toronto is beginning to sound a whole lot like Manhattan with all the car is horns. Yeah. And I've noticed that it's noticeable and I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah. And it, and it, there's just, this seems to be an edge that people are on constantly. Mm -hmm. 
And I look at them and go, no, 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 no. We can't be this way, people. This is not a good road to take. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, believe me, I will be, I'll be pimping this book quite a bit and, <laughs> and, 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 and I hope others will too. So, yeah. uh, so, so no, love you, Brian, love what you're doing on this. So, you know, tell people where they can find out more about you, the book and everything else you're doing. Yeah. So I'm, uh, you can find me at Brian Feltruck everywhere, social media or brianfeltruck.com. The book specifically, you can get to it from my site, but it has its own site is 5075100.com. It's the numbers 5075100. And that's all about our pieces of the puzzle of the relationship. Our half is the 50, 75 is three quarters of the problem that you actually have control or influence over. And 100 is 100% better. So 5075100.com. It's at every major bookseller. Um, pre-order is come out November 19th. I don't know if this is coming out before that or not, but if it does and people hear this pre-orders are just 99 cents on Kindle because I just want people to have it. It's not about selling the books. Like we all have relationships. We all have relationships that need to be better. So as many hands as I can get it in, that's my goal. Yeah, I'll definitely have the show out before the launch date and we'll awesome. promote the heck out of it. And yeah, that's a, that's a very generous um, gift you're giving people to you know, give this much information and the time and effort it takes to put into a book and the, the, the journey and the stories and everything like that. Um, you can't buy a cup of coffee for 99 cents, people. Um, no. go, unless you get the senior discount, which um, I'm getting closer to that, but uh, not yet. So we got time to go on that. <laughs> so awesome stuff. Brian, thank you again so much. Great to reconnect with you. Congratulations yeah. again on the book and continued success and all the awesome stuff you're doing. Thank you so much, Michael. You too. Thank you. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst-case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get us a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.